Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Tonight, an update on the old lady and the McDonald's uh, situation story that we talked about last night. She was arrested in the drive-thru with the McDonald's. Looks like we may have uh, indeed not gotten enough facts on that particular case. And a listener of ours has those facts. But first, we need to go to the phones because Frederick is on the line in Sweden on the amp line. Hello, Frederick. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, I want to talk about uh, medical marijuana. Please. Yes. Uh, I read the newspaper play, an interesting case here. Okay. We have a sentence, let's see, a 30-year-old woman to jail because she wanted to get uh, more healthy because she has uh, MS. Multiple sclerosis? Yes. Uh, what she wanted to do is uh, she was too sick to be able to go out to find a dealer to buy this. So she decided to get the help of a friend and grow it at home. Go with the what? Grow, grow it at home. Oh, okay, okay, got it. And is uh, is growing it a much more serious offense there uh, as it is here? Yes, but it gets even worse, worse than this because uh, she said that, that it uh, released her pain. And she didn't want to stop. They said it, it, she had no intention to live a clean life. She didn't want to become uh, free from drugs. So because of that, they sentenced her to a much uh, harsher punishment. So when they found out about her growing the marijuana, she got in trouble. They went, She went in front of some court, and because she wasn't repentant, because she didn't say, I promise I will never do it again. Because she said, you know what, I'm hurting, I'm going to do this, I don't care what you say, as soon as I get out I'm going to smoke more. They, uh, they, they sentenced her further. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Heartless. Uh, and uh, it's even worse than this. She had some pain medicine she mm-hmm. got because of the disease. And these medicines were so strong that they are classed as narcotics if you not have... Uh, and um, a doctor's notice. Sure. So she won't be able to get these either. So they, they've cut her off because oh, because wow. she's growing marijuana, they've cut her off from her narcotics that anybody else in this circumstance would be able to have? Yeah. Uh, if they had a doctor's notice. So we, the only thing she can have is um, over-the-counter over medicine. Wow. Well, that's not going to do any good against people. That's amazing. Process. What's no. the sentence that she received? Um, in Sweden, uh, for a normal uh, narcotics crime, if you haven't committed any, disease, any crime before, you uh, usually get off uh, with a with a warning, maybe a fine or something like this. Mm-hmm. But uh, this time she got, got a year's pre- prison. She got one year? How long? One year. Wow. A year in prison. She's banned from using uh, any further narcotics. Will she be able to use those narcotics after she gets out of prison, presumably, presuming she's still in a state where she could? Uh, perhaps. Uh, it doesn't say that. But uh, So they would have gone lighter on her sentence had she been repentant and promised to not smoke marijuana anymore. Yes, uh, she had probably would have gotten off with uh, either her community service or wow. maybe a few months of wow. prison. They're really here serving and protecting, aren't they, Frederick? <laughs> no, it's really absurd. I hope to, uh, hope to be able to change this. I'm a member of the party that is in power in Sweden now, and I 
Each year we have a convention where all the members can come with suggestions of what the party should do the next mm-hmm. year. And I will try to get the party to change their opinion so we can have a legal uh, cannabis. Good luck to that, sir, and thank you for the call tonight. We appreciate the story. As always, there's no shortage of outrageous Tragic stories coming out of this war on drugs, not just here in America, but all around the world. Uh, Frederick calling from Sweden tonight. You know, one year here in America doesn't seem like that much, but a year in jail stinks. Yeah. Um, No matter where you are, even though in America what you would have gotten is probably significantly more. Well, now, wait a minute, Mark. You've been in jail as a relatively healthy young man. Imagine a year in jail as an MS patient. I can hardly imagine the the kind of, uh, you know, I mean, (laughs) the the, the kind of medical treatment she's going to get is going to be poor. Um, I mean, it's just it's it's gonna be rough, very rough for her, and I hope she survives it. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Quick update from Adam. He emails in. I think you had the McDonald's story a little wrong last night. I heard it from a few different news sources, and Toby said he had dug around to try to find other stories. Maybe more information came out after the show was over. Uh, he says I was excited to hear your spin on the story. When I saw it in the show notes for Tuesday, according to other news sources, McDonald's ordered the old lady to move forward. After she had paid to an area to wait for her food, the old lady refused and demanded her money back if they couldn't give her her food immediately without moving. The police officer was nearby, and the McDonald's crew asked for the police officer to do something about the old lady after arguing with her for a while. Hmm. So if that's the case, then the story's completely different. The The version of the story we read said that McDonald's had asked her to stay there. In other news channels, uh, the other news channels spun the story as, we can't believe McDonald's is having people arrested for not following their orders. Well, it's always the corporation's fault, you know? Uh, He says, I was irritated by the other talk show's assessment of the situation because I believe a person should be uh, arrested for not following orders on private property. The problem with the other talk shows is they believed a person should not be arrested for not following the request of a private property owner. Maybe, perhaps, you know, not the first order. Oh, you didn't follow orders, you're arrested. But... You know, uh, blocking the drive-through um, yeah. when that's you know uh, one windows to pay at and one windows at which to pay and one windows you know for the purpose of uh, receiving your food. If you want your food from the pay window, it, it seems like you're you know you're you're messing with the business plan there, and you can go to a restaurant where they do do that, but not here at McDonald's. He says the other talk shows assessments were based on their misconception McDonald's is public property and they don't have to do what the employees tell them to because McDonald's employees are just McDonald's employees. Adam says, I was excited to hear your show because I thought you'd say you were glad the old lady was arrested because she was not following orders of a property owner on that property owner's property. I was hoping I would hear something like, I don't care how old a lady is. If she's being belligerent and won't follow orders of the property owner, then she should face some sort of legal consequence. I was disappointed, but I believe it may be because you had the facts of the story a little wrong. I don't think I would have uh, advocated this woman be arrested for what she did. Well, here, let me put a scenario in front of you, and, and and you tell me when you're ready for arrest, okay? All right. Now, I know I know you're not a big fan of the police officers, so it's going to be a little while. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, the lady's got her, uh, <clears throat> her white uh, Buick Skylark, and she's pulled up to the window. She's paid, and now she wants her food out of that window. Yeah. And the McDonald's employee says, well, you'll have to pull up to the next window where we give food out. The lady says, no, I want my food from this window, Mm -hmm. and I'm not leaving here until I get it. Ma'am, we have other people behind you, and you need to pull forward so that you can get your food. No, I'm not going to do it. And a minute goes by, and she's still sitting there waiting for her money back or her food. Mm -hmm. Then ten minutes goes by. Uh, The manager (laughs) comes and says, 
Um, look, there's people. We, we've got to run a business here. Um, could you pull forward and get your food? And the lady says, no, I'm not going to do that. Just bring my food here or else. Now, I can't see why McDonald's wouldn't bring, bring her, her the food. Bring right. her the food. It I, does I, say she asked for her money back as well, so who knows what transpired at that point. And maybe the cop was right behind her, you know, and then once the cop's thrown into the scenario, then you've got this escalating circumstance yeah. uh, going on. But if a woman is barricaded off the, uh, the, 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 the window, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, at some point, arrest is really the only option you have. Well, I understand where you're coming from. I think that... Um, Depending on how belligerent the woman is being, I mean, for What instance, if she's really nice about blocking off the window, Ian? I'm not saying that I don't think she should be moved from that particular situation. I think that absolutely... McDonald's bouncers? ...should happen. Well, whoever it is, the their private security or the cops or whoever... Have you seen McDonald's private cops, security? No. Do they wear if, little red wigs? I think if the cops are going to be handling the situation, they don't need to jump straight to arrest. I think they could very well have simply moved her out of the lane of, of traffic. But pick up the Buick? And then maybe given her some sort of a, a you know administrative citation of some sort. I mean, there's no need to arrest this woman for what she did. If anything, she cost McDonald's a 50 bucks in uh, lost sales, okay? It could, be, so, it could be more. I don't think that's really something worth arresting someone over, whether she's 70 years old or 17 years old. I think that's something where, you know, that, that person should make good, person should uh, pay McDonald's back for their the inconvenience that they caused, but spending a night in jail over that seems a little unnecessary. 800-259... hostage, from what I can tell. 1-800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Uh, how do you feel the situation should have been handled? This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got the Shrine of Female listeners there with dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful. They record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy. So your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 1-800-544-6359. For SACL CAI. Continuing with your phone calls, let's talk to Dave in Ohio. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, how are you guys doing? Hey, great, Dave. What's on your mind? Well, I just wanted to call in. I've heard you guys talk about Ron Paul quite a bit over the last few days. And sure. I just wanted to share a little uh, Ron Paul-related story with you. By all means. Um, my, my fiance goes to med school in Des Moines, Iowa. And okay. her school is actually right down the street from the Iowa governor's mansion. Hmm. And... Um, well, she wasn't here when this was going on. She she was here in Ohio, but uh, Ron Paul actually came to visit her school. Okay. Now, it, personally, I think it was a good move, considering he he was a he's a doctor, right? And you know, it, this is one of the top schools in the country for the fields that this school offers. Makes sense. Um, he came and spoke. What he spoke about, I don't know, because, like I said, my fiance was here with me over Christmas when when he went to visit the school. It would seem that if you were going, right. if it, if I were Ron Paul and going to a medical school, I'd talk about medical related freedom. 
Well, yeah, and and personally, you know, as as far as the candidates go, I think he's the only person that's credible when it when he talks about health care because one, he's a doctor, and two, he's a congressman, so he sees both sides of the fence. Mm-hmm. You know, he sees the bureaucratic side and he sees what the doctors are seeing. But anyway, are you familiar with a doctor uh, by the name of Stephen Gleason? I am not. Okay. He's, he's a grad of this school. This school is Des Moines University. He, he was a grad back, I think, in the 60s and 70s. But anyway, he, um, he's well-known from DMU because he was a personal physician and medical advisor to Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. Okay. Now, you would think because of this, because he was a DMU grad, you would think Hillary would make an appearance there while she's in Iowa. Well, she didn't. And he was the personal advisor to them, you say? Yes, he was the personal, personal, personal medical advisor to Bill and Hillary Clinton. Okay. Yeah, there's a Wikipedia entry. If you go to Wikipedia and type in Stephen Gleason, he comes up. Okay. So the point is that she just didn't go to the school and Ron did? Yeah, and it's, I, I just kind of see it as kind of weird because... You know, her medical advisor is a grad of the school, and, you know, Hillary's all about health care, this and health care, mm. that. You would think she would, you know, make a, make a visit to a school that her and her husband's advisor graduated from. I don't know. And, I, I don't you know, know what she, their campaign is thinking. I'm sure there are all kinds of different campaign stops they could have made, and I'm, they only have so many uh, hours in the day. Not that I'm defending uh, the big-name candidates or anything. It just... I can understand that campaigns are pretty hectic, and you might not necessarily think, oh, well, so-and-so used to go to this school. I'll, we should go there. I, I don't know. Maybe right. it just didn't cross their mind. Okay. Well, Any other thoughts tonight? I, 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 you know, I just, that's just my observation. I, I just thought it was kind of odd that you know, Hillary, considering her connection to the school, didn't show up. And yeah, she didn't make political did. hay out of that when she could have. Uh, I'm sure she was busy doing it elsewhere, but uh, thanks for the call tonight, Dave. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. You know, what What can I say? I'm not a political analyst. Uh, she's a politician. They make decisions for whatever reasons they make decisions. I guess nobody campaigning really owes you a visit. I, no, you know. certainly not. 800-259-9231. Sarah writes in a question about arbitration. She says, it's kind of an open-ended question. I haven't quite formed an opinion myself. Is there a couple of different ways to look at this? If you could, uh, maybe read this on the air. So, if a person were to choose to use heroin or crack or whatnot, drugs at a higher schedule than marijuana. Actually, I believe marijuana is on the exact same schedule as heroin and crack. If I'm not mistaken, they are all Schedule One narcotics at the federal level. Okay. Which actually goes uh, goes back to something I was talking about uh, yesterday, not on the show, but uh, but when I was testifying at the marijuana hearing in Concord, we were talking about how uh, young people are told in dare class that a joint is the same thing as a hit of crack cocaine. They're told it's the same thing as snorting some coke or or uh, you know injecting heroin. That smoking a joint is the same, and so inevitably when they finally smoke their first joint and they find out they've been lied to then they might think to themselves, well, maybe all these other things are A-OK to use as well, which, of course, would not be the case. Those other drugs are definitely far more dangerous than marijuana, uh, but they all are Schedule One narcotics. Anyway, just, just an aside. She continues. She says, let's say they were choosing to use heroin or crack, and it was affecting their relationship with their family in a highly negative way, physical abuse, neglect, etc., and I've seen this happen. I, I've seen. You remember the little girl that used to come over when uh, I used to live with my uh, my ex girlfriend? Yeah. What Mark? was her name? 
I have no idea. I can't. I don't. Don't recall. She was just just a sweet little girl. But her mom was a meth head, and she she wasn't really getting the attention she probably should have gotten as uh, you know a five year old or six year old girl should have gotten from from her mom because. You know, mom was busy uh, turning tricks for money or whatever it was she was doing during her daytime hours. I don't think it was really taking care of her kids. So it's always tragic to see something like that happening. She says, how would that be handled or punished? I personally, uh, personally believe that what a person does is up to them. They can drink bleach as a side to that burger for all I care. But when the life of another is endangered, in this case, let's say a child who has no way of removing themselves from this situation, how is this to be dealt with? She says, obviously, putting them in jail is going to screw the family up even more. It just makes angry people. Is there an alternative? Also, consider the situation without a child. Well, we can get to that. But but how should a situation like that be handled? Uh, and how is it handled today? I mean, this woman that I that I knew, there was no intervention on behalf of the government. This was well, going on. I can tell you how, um, you know, personally, in that particular situation, I saw that little girl there. She was just sweet as she could be. I would have taken that little girl in and raised her until she was 18 years old with no mm-hmm. problem if it had to been for the fact that I would have gone through just, A, a the, the mother would have been you know a, a problem, I'm sure, in an yeah. adoption process, and the government would have been a huge issue. Um, you know, I've got, an, I've got a felony conviction, so therefore they're going to you know, make my life a living hell as far as uh, adopting a kid and, and that kind of thing. But yeah, I, I, I would have taken that girl in and, and taken care of her. I think that what you might see is that there would be some sort of market, and we're talking about a, a, a situation where there's no government around, right, to allegedly take care of this situation for us, which, of course, again, in this real-life situation I'm talking about, the government wasn't around at that point anyway. So what you might see is that young people, even very, very young people, like this little girl, again, was probably no more than six years old. Cocaine's they, a Schedule two drug. Cocaine is? Yes. Okay, but the other ones are all Schedule 1. I, I haven't got a list. Okay. Anyway, uh, so this, so what you might see happen is that very, very young people, they can decide what situation they prefer. And I think that in, in, an, in the event where, let's say, they had a, uh, an experience with you, Mark, and you were taking care of them for a little while, and they had to go back and starve with Mommy, they might very likely choose to go and live with you were they given the option to, and... In that world, they wouldn't be property of their mother. Let's come back and talk about this more and take your calls as well. This is Free Talk Live. Scientists have discovered a human hormone that increases people's trust in each other, oxytocin. And for the first time, with Liquid Trust, you can harness this power. Buy Liquid Trust now at 800-507-3718 or liquidtrustspray.com. Use code FTL to get free shipping. Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, They include, by the way, the bulletin board system with over 300,000 posts for you to surf around through. Serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all there for free. 
at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. The Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 9th through the 15th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to see firsthand why Ron Paul loves New Hampshire and its activists, as well as see why New Hampshire is one of the country's best places to live. Discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. Learn more at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. So, continuing an email from Sarah in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, she is curious about what would happen in a more, maybe more free market world uh, where you've got a situation with, let's say, you've got a mother or father that is uh, just hopelessly addicted to crack or heroin or some other destructive narcotic. What about if they have a, uh, you know, a young child who they just aren't taking care of? What would happen? Well, first off, um, that even if a person's addicted to drugs, um, if they know that their situation is that much worse than um, it should be, then many of them will go ahead and say something like, you know, I know that my kid can be better taken care of. I just can't do it right now. And they'll allow someone else to do it. But, uh, They'd probably be more than happy to allow that to happen. Um, but what in the instance where they want, where they aren't? What in the instance where they have some, uh, where they, they really feel as though they must take care of their child? They're, they're just being selfish or whatever? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, I think that, and I don't know what the law is like today. And as I was saying, I I am well aware of a real-life situation like this that I've been fairly close to in the past, where a little six-year-old girl, um, back when I used to live down in Florida, was visiting quite often uh, my home because my ex-girlfriend at the time knew the the mother who was a uh, crackhead or meth head or whatever her drug of choice was. She was messed up. Anyway, this uh, my, my, my girlfriend at the time brought this girl in, sort of started taking care of her on a relatively daily, almost daily sometimes. basis. Yeah, she would stay the night and, you know, watch TV and play with stuff. And it gave her a brief respite from the uh, just the awfulness of hanging around the crack house or wherever it was that she lived. And so I've seen this in real life, and the government doesn't help. They, most of these situations they don't even know about. And, of course, when someone does finally call the government on a – you know, on a, someone snitches out a situation like this, they send in DCF. DCF takes the kid away by force, and then it's an absolute nightmare to get the kid out of the hands of the government again at that point. Or they, they'll put him in a foster home they'll, where they'll be abused, perhaps. Yeah, it, so, it happens all the time. The government solution is uh, certainly less than desirable. And I think that uh, kids, are they should not be property. I don't know what sort of ownership parents have in, under the law that we have today. I'm not a parent, so I can't really speak to that. Mark, you are going to be a parent soon, but, but not yet. Uh, and I think that if... if uh, if you've got a situation where mom or dad is being abusive or mom or dad is a loser, drug addict, and, and, and neglecting their children, and you come in there as a caring individual who's willing to step in and, and take care of this child, it would seem to me that you'd have all of the evidence on your side if that mom, mother or father, the, the strung out mom or dad, ended up taking you to arbitration, they'd have nothing. They probably don't even have the money to take you to arbitration. They well, probably, I mean, if they did and, and, and they lost, then they'd owe you everything. So it might just be that if you managed to, to, uh, to get their kid from them and take care of that kid, they probably wouldn't even challenge you on it because they would know how bad of a situation they were in. Well, uh, you know, I mean, when you're talking about that scenario, what, what constitutes treating your child 
poorly, uh, just just being, starving, them? just being poor enough um, not to be able to uh, fight somebody in arbitration. Is that uh, no, no, starving them? You know, not taking care of your kid. <laughs> I know what that means. Yes, um, I, you, you know. could you could definitely take someone to arbitration. It's just that if you lost, you'd have to pay because it's loser pays, right? So if you are a loser and you've got nothing going on in life, then you're going to be SOL. What when if it I can't afford to, to? You know, I I can't afford to, to deal with that loss. You know, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't understand. Okay, you come in, take my kid. I'm poor. You're rich. Um, you know, you say well, if you can take care of the kid, then you've got a case. If you're not a you know crackhead who's not feed, you know, if you're feeding your kid and they're going and they're okay, they're healthy, then obviously then the kid should stay with you. But if the kid's in danger and living in you know filthy, awful uh, conditions and not eating food, then you know who would you side on if you were the arbitrator? Well, do we want to do what's best for the kid, or do we want to do what's best for the crackhead mom? I don't know. I mean, this this whole parent-child scenario is, uh, to me, the the most arduous to deal with in uh, you know in free market scenarios. And I of course, it's 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 harder because you know if you're talking about a kid that can't speak for itself, then obviously the entire decision is in the hands of of the arbitrator. But if the kid can speak for itself, then let the kid decide, right? If the six-year-old says, "Well, I like going with Mark. Mark, you know, lets me play games and stuff, and I can eat food at his house. I'd like to stay with him. Thank you very much." case closed right mm-hmm. so i don't know what the uh the situation is today with the law and and how k- parents own kids but i don't think they should own kids i think if a young person is ready to be independent or is ready to make a switch as far as who his caretaker is then he or she should be able to make that decision would love to hear your thoughts on this at 800-259-9231 sarah goes on she says consider the situation without a child Consider just any Joe Schmo that might be directly endangered by this other person who's choosing to use drugs. And I don't know how they would be endangered by that other person. Usually, unless they get behind the wheel right. of a car, there's not much a drug addict can do that's going to put you in any danger, necessarily. I suppose they could be uh, you know, at work and working heavy machinery, but you're still talking about behind the wheel of something. Yeah, well, you know, then it's, again, the, the uh, work... The, the the employer's responsibility to ensure that their employees are indeed clean and, and a report an employee's responsibility to uh, talk to his manager and say hey look this employee's messed up somehow yeah so uh so she says the punishment should fit the crime right is the child or joe a higher priority how would this be handled differently if at all i really can't think of i mean sarah i can't think of any situation where a drug addicted adult is going to put another drug-addicted adult in any real danger unless you're talking about initiating force. I mean, unless you're talking about trying to steal money from someone or trying to uh, set their house on fire or doing something that will actually harm another. And if if you're initiating force, then clearly you have a case. Right. If they're stealing something or hurting somebody, then then you're talking about uh, a punishable offense. But just being on drugs... While it may be sad, while it may be tragic, being addicted to drugs does not in any way, shape, or form put another adult in danger. If you can think of a scenario where that would be the case without that person initiating force or, again, getting behind the wheel of a car or something like that, I'd love to hear about it. I can't think of one. And I've known plenty of drug drug addicts. I can't think of one. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. Another email here. This one from Patrick. Somewhat related. He says, uh, My girlfriend's car was stolen by a drug addict and was taken to court. 
There, he was convicted and got fined and sentenced to pay for the damages. But this loser has no assets, and thus, my girlfriend got no money. Now, this is a problem, as these guys are practically free from punishment, as their crime is as severe as their crime is as severe to put them in prison, and as they have no assets to take their home free, at least in Sweden, where our emailer is. I guess the court could have put them in, uh, um, in prison for a month or so, but that costs a lot of money, and the convict would be happy, as he could use that time to eat himself up and get in shape. How would these guys be handled in a libertarian society? The thief has no money to pay restitution, and to put him in jail would just cost money. It's an excellent question. Now, let me. T- he said libertarian society, sure. which could mean, uh, you know, a, a small government society, or it could mean what you talk about, which is no government Free at all. Mm-hmm. Um, in a libertarian society, we would have uh, law enforcement that would, uh, you know, handle that. He stole a car, and uh, he would be. It would be a lot more forceful as far as the pay, because property rights would be so much more important. So he would either have to pay or go into some kind of indentured servitude in order to pay that off. Right. I think in either of these situations, Mark, either in the small government society or the free market society, the answer is going to be the same. And we'll come back and uh, discuss this. 800-259-9231. Love your thoughts as well. 800-259-9231. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Sakel CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The feature's there completely free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, again, that's freetalklive.com. If you like the show want to help support Free Talk Live, then head over and become a Free Talk Live amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. You can join for as little as 3 bucks a month. Now, you know we give you everything away on the website for free, so this is above and beyond all that. This is if you want to help Free Talk Live get on more radio stations around the country uh, from coast to coast. We're on over 32 stations at this point, and we'll be on more with your assistance. Uh, head over to amp.freetalklive.com and get signed up with PayPal or any major credit card or some of our other options. Once again, that's amp.freetalklive.com. You get perks, too, like access to the AMP-only call-in line, chat room, and forum, and more. All the details at amp.freetalklive.com. Pat emails in from Sweden. He's got a situation. His girlfriend's car was stolen, uh, and the guy that did it, they found him. They took him to court. The punishment was that he had to pay for the damages, but the guy's a loser, has no assets, and so, therefore, the girlfriend got no money. And he says, well, how would these guys, these people people like him be handled in a libertarian society and mark you were beginning to answer from the small government perspective and i think the answer is the same because you and i we agree on a lot of things when it comes to justice mark it's just you have yet to really fully let go of of government providing justice but there's no doubt that you think the justice system needs some serious revamping whether or not it's the government that's handling it right i think that the government spends way too much time uh, incarcerating people for uh, drug crimes and going after uh, people with for traffic violations far too little time going after criminal offenses people that uh, do hurt people in criminal offenses are often punished with uh, jail time mm-hmm. and the people that are harmed are robbed twice right as though that the the man sitting in prison is going to make that victim whole somehow it doesn't and so I'm going to propose the free market solution, but I think it's pretty much analogous to what could happen in a uh, in a more small government society as well. And that is that this individual, this loser, as he's as he's put, a drug addict, loser, doesn't have any money, no assets, nothing to his name, nothing to pay back this girl with because he stole her car. Well, in in a more free market society, I think what you would see is that he would have to pay her back, and if he had no assets but had a job then his paychecks would be garnished. 
And that would happen because business owners would want to be seen as being cooperative with arbitrators, just as they would want to be cooperative with uh, with government, uh, making a similar declaration that this guy's guilty. We know he's guilty. The proof, you know, here's the proof. We know he's guilty. He owes her, let's say, $3,000. Okay, he owes her $3,000 or whatever. Well, okay, we set him up on a payment plan where every single paycheck, 100 bucks comes out or 200 whatever. Assuming he has a paycheck, though. But every if he doesn't month. have a paycheck... If he's completely jobless and a total loser, and he has no way, you know, he doesn't have recognizance, he's not an upstanding member of society in any way, shape, or form, if you don't trust this guy to pay this girl back, if there's no evidence that he's going to make any efforts whatsoever to pay her back, then put him in a work prison. And make it make it so he has the opportunity to actually work at taking phone reservations or well, whatever it is the work prison has him doing. I wouldn't even go so far pay. as a work prison. I would say that uh, there, you know, the terminology prison indicates uh, monopoly and exclusivity. I think that there would be companies that would spring up that would allow people to sell their, you know, that would that you, they would be sentenced. These people would be sentenced to indentured servitude for non-payment, and then they would be able to choose which company it was that they wanted to work for. That's probably true. In order true. to uh, pay back uh, these people, you know, they could right. pick. They would, would choose. They would choose one that would be uh, more apt to their skill set, for instance, uh, and, and probably treat them better. Right. But the the likelihood mark of the choice option that you're describing coming into play in a small government situation is pretty much nil. Uh, it's much more likely in a free market situation where prisons would have to compete for their prisoners, and that would be one of the ways that they could that they could be competing. Uh, that one of the bases is they could be competing on, whereas when it's government, they just get shipped off to whatever government uh, prison they, they deem appropriate. So I think that's more likely to happen in the free market situation, but either way, it's something that, w- that should happen. Uh, so, and that's only if the guy is a, t- is, you know, a flight risk. That's only if he's not willing to go out and actually be honest and make good and, and pay this girl it's back. not really a flight risk, but a no-pay risk at the same time. Either way. I mean, either he, way. You know, he, we this, don't want him to disappear This either. person, and we're assuming it's male, um, is, you know, such a loser that they, uh, you know, they, they know what the impending punishment will be for not paying uh, their their debts, and they choose to go ahead and not pay their debts. Right. Well, the fact is, he's got an incentive. The incentives are all there, especially in the market situation. The incentives are all there to have this guy be honest and stay out of prison. He's going to want to stay out of prison, but that means he will have to make payments, because... The payments will be quicker if he stays out of prison. He'll be working in the marketplace. You won't have to house him. You won't have to clothe him. You won't have to feed him. And so the payments will be made quicker. He'd be free faster. But if he's a total loser and is, is obviously not going to be very cooperative, then putting him in some sort of a work, uh, work camp situation would get the girl paid back. And at the same time, it would take him longer to do. So he he himself has an incentive to try to be upstanding and try to get this. I don't know that up. it necessarily would take longer going into a uh, indentured servitude situation. It would because you have to pay for the overhead because th- that guy's going to get a paycheck, but part of that paycheck's going to the prison because they are the ones that are security, housing him. Right. Food, lodging. Right. And if he's really dangerous, then the security has to be higher. So if the security is his, is higher, then it's going to cost more, and therefore there'll be less money to actually be paid out to uh, you know to him or the victim in that case. Likely, the indentured servitude uh, operation would have to uh, carry some kind of insurance, um, you know, for their uh, detainees, that kind of thing. Right. Um, some of them are bound to try to you know go crazy and try to escape, and uh, you know they'll 
they'll probably be responsible for paying off uh, whom, whomever it is that uh, these people owe, that kind of thing. Here's an additional point on this. Uh, I don't know if many insurance companies offer this, but I imagine that it might be out in the marketplace. I certainly don't own it uh, for my vehicle, but theft insurance? In that if you have insurance covering your vehicle and it is stolen and not returned in any decent shape, well, the insurance company would pay for that. Right, and then they'd go after the guy. Right, so then the dude would actually owe the insurance company by right of subrogation, and the girl would be in the clear. She'd have her money, she'd have her new car, she wouldn't have to worry about any of this stuff. So then it would be the insurance company dealing with the arbitrator, dealing with the uh, the work camp, whatever the situation Unfortunately, might be. Unfortunately, when it comes to insurance, uh, I don't know how it is in Sweden, but I suspect it's uh, very similar to how it is here in the United States, is there's all kinds of laws uh, requiring insurance companies to offer this and offer that mm-hmm. to uh, people that they insure. And I'm, I'm sure that's uh, been you know the result of some shady insurance practices in the past. It, I don't know, but I'm just assuming that it is. But... It doesn't allow, um, you know, putting getting the law involved means that I have to pay for, in you know, the case of health insurance, abortions for nuns, yeah. um, things that, you know, all kinds of things that I wouldn't necessarily need. Um, so, you know, the, the government gets involved in insurance far too often. Absolutely. Uh, they overregulate the industry. I and, mean, of course, any regulation to me is overregulation. But Pat goes on, just as a little aside, he says the trial was a joke, by the way. The judge and his two companions were half asleep during the one-hour trial. The attorney knew absolutely nothing about the case in advance as he read directly from a rather good police investigation. It's illegal to read directly from it in Sweden. The defense lawyer was a bit, a little bit better as he spoke to the criminal for about ten minutes right before the trial. Neither he... Neither he did his reading before the trial, but yet he demanded $3,000 equivalent, $3,000 U.S. dollars equivalent for his one-hour work. After the trial, I approached the judge because I wanted a copy of the police investigation, and in two sentences he broke two fundamental laws in Sweden. In Sweden, all documents in all government agencies are public, and they must give a copy to anyone who asks for it. The judge tried to deny me this. Furthermore, he wanted my name and purpose, which is also illegal. A government official isn't allowed to investigate the identity or purpose. After arguing with him for a while, he gave in. He says, I hope you manage to secede from the United States. Then I will move my business to New Hampshire, provided you improve the immigration laws also. And so, you know, yet another typical example of government bureaucrats, whether they be in Sweden or America or communist China, it completely ignoring the law itself. The right. law they themselves are sworn to uphold. Right, and receive no, you usually receive no punishment for violating. Right. What are you going to do? Take the government judge to court over the fact that he didn't follow his little procedures? Right. Largely, How does that happen? Lar- you know, the, the laws are uh, enforced, it, it seems, on the, a gradating scale. For us lowly little citizens, we have to obey all of them all of the time. Yeah. Um, they obey and, when they feel like and it. And I think that the it's it's worse for business owners and those kind of people that are open to the public, those kind of people. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably the worst for them. The uh you know, the bureaucrats, the low level and mid level bureaucrats, they have another sort of enforcement level. Uh police are probably even above them, and then the politicians themselves are in this uh area where they almost have to follow none. Pat does say, uh, again, he's, he hopes we secede from the United States as he'll move his business to New Hampshire. I think that, Mark, if, if secession actually happens, or rather when secession happens, and uh, the, the borders are open, welfare is abolished to allow people like Pat and others uh, from around the world to come here and bring their, their, their talents and their skills and their expertise 
We would have such an amazing economy as a result of that. It would be just mind-blowing. The less government and more, more free market there is in, in any country, whether it's uh, a seceded New Hampshire or the United States or Sweden, our is better. T- our two's coming up. New York City board votes to regulate fast food. We'll explain. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number two of the program. You can take control of the airwaves. Via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We go to the phone calls. It's Tom in New Hampshire. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Uh, Yeah, I just want to say that uh, certain members of my family got... Uh, gift cards for Christmas, and these were Amazon.com gift cards. Oh, great. And they wanted to use my computer to go on the Internet to buy stuff from Amazon.com. I said, hey, wait a second. We can go to Amazon.freetalklive.com. Excellent. Okay. So that way there's the commission there. And then start putting stuff in the shopping cart. It says, you know... If you want, you can click here and apply for the Amazon.com credit card, and we'll give you 30 bucks towards this order. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and then, I mean, the drawback is that this would be, you know, a uh, an item on the uh, credit bureau inquiry and an item on your credit report if you go to apply for another loan. But it is, you know, 30 bucks worth of free stuff, and you get a commission on it. But the other good news I wanted to point out, is that uh, back on Thursday, the 17th, down in Chesapeake, Virginia, a cop got himself gunned down in a drug raid, (laughs) and two days later a Border Patrol agent in California got run over and killed by some drug smugglers. Mm. So, you know, the government paid a price uh, last week for waging the war on drugs. Well, the government didn't pay the price. You and I did. I, mean, I didn't pay anything. The cops did. I mean, <laughs> we're we're going to have to pay their salary. You know, there, there's there's grieving family members out there, and we're going to have to pay you know some kind of stipend to those family members for the loss of their uh, um, loved ones, that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, they were they were enforcing bad laws, and that's you know they would good. be alive today were it not for this insane war on drugs. Yeah. Do you park in a crosswalk? You pay the price with cash. You impose drug laws. You pay the price with cops. There you go, Tom. Thanks for the call tonight, dude. And thanks for shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, 800-259-9231, because if you do shop through that link, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. 800-259-9231 to New York City. WCBSTV.com reporting, sure you want to eat that fat-laden burger? The Board of Health is hoping to shock New Yorkers into eating healthier by requiring thousands of restaurants to display calorie information front and center. If you like McDonald's, Burger King, or even Starbucks, get ready for something new that may affect what you buy there. Starting in a couple of months, the next time you chow down, if you're in New York City, on a Big Mac or even a Starbucks latte, you're going to know exactly how many calories you're getting. On Tuesday, the Board of Health passed a regulation that requires restaurant chains... Get this, 
with 15 or more locations nationwide to display cal- uh, calorie information on their menus and menu boards. So they're just going after the big, the big boys. Yeah, the big food companies, and they're leaving anyone, uh, you know, the little guys free right, of the information. Some greasy spoon. That you're not going to have any idea what the calorie count is there. But, um, you know, it, it's it's just... For one thing, um, you know, what, what I'm thinking is some people are going to want this calorie information, which it, it makes me wonder how many people want it because the, the, the companies have not provided that up till That's now. That's not true. It's just not on their menu right, boards. It's not up there. They, you they, can walk they into any of these They want this particular service, but the, the, this particular service they want, um, and the companies have not yet provided it, so it makes me think that very few people want it. But um, those people will likely just go to the big boys now because that service will be in place. And you it, think this will help the big boys? I'm not. In some cases, it will. In some it cases, it will hurt them. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I was but, questioning why are they targeting them? Why are they targeting chains with 15 or clearly more clearly anti-large business legislation? So they they believe it will harm their business then in some way. Uh, they they don't really care whether it harms them or not. They're just putting another arduous just another task. regulation. Right. Okay. Jump through this hoop. And they set the arbitrary number at 15. And, uh, you know, I'd like to say about calorie information, calorie information is not a full picture of what you're eating. Mm -hmm. Um, There are calories in fat. There are calories in protein. There are calories in carbohydrate. Your body processes carbohydrates. Your body processes those calories, those those, uh, caloric types of food in different manners. Um, so if it's coming, if it's calories coming from fat versus calories coming from sugar versus calories coming from protein, what's the other one? Protein. It's it's all different. Sure, you can eat egg whites, and that'll be a certain amount of. Uh, I, I think it's nine gra- nine calories per gram, or something like that. I can't, I can't even mm-hmm. remember. But you can eat um, egg whites, and uh, you know, to a certain calorie, a hundred calories of egg whites versus a hundred calories of uh, donuts, and which is like a quarter of a donut. <laughs> um, you, <laughs> and you're getting something entirely different. Got it. Well, uh, again, the uh, Board of Health has decided to pass this regulation. McDonald's customer Michelle Gualan. Guana Luisa said, I really think it's a good idea that people do that because, therefore, you're just more aware of what your child eats. It is a good idea, M- Michelle, but for it, it could be arduous and it shouldn't be legislated. Um, I like the idea that it's going to be up there, but I don't know if you've been to McDonald's. Pretty much the menu spans the entire area where all the registers are. Yeah. They sell enough food, enough different types of food at McDonald's that uh, they pretty much need to use that whole area. Now what are they going to do? Wrap it around the, the building? I don't know, man. They're gonna, they're gonna require. I don't know exactly how this is going to play out. But they are going to require the calorie count be listed on the menu. So what you might see is two sets of numbers. You might see the price, and then you might see the calories next to that. Now, what's that going to do for somebody who doesn't have the, uh, the, the the most firm grasp of English? Yeah. Or um, somebody who's coming in from some other place that's not New York City. Suppose I go in there. I'm just a hayseed from Key, New Hampshire. Yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> and I go in there, and I don't know what CALs are. What are, Can I pay in cows? <laughs> what are cows? This ain't some kind of foreign currency, is it? Do I need to have cows and dollars to pay? 1500 I better turn around and go someplace else. Well, uh, she says she thinks it's a good idea, and by the way, if you really care that much about how many calories you're getting, 
all of these companies, these big corporations, all you have to do is ask for an information booklet, yep. and they will give you calorie information and more in many cases. Well, out the wazoo. And you know, it's, it's that other information that's far more important. Right. Right now, obesity and diabetes uh, are the only major health problems in New York City that are getting worse, according to WCBS-TV. So these legislators are going to pass laws that are going to take care of it. Here's what Lynn Silver from the Department of Health had to say. Only about half of our daycare and school-age children are at a healthy weight, and... And in some neighborhoods, two-thirds of adults are overweight or obese. Now, what happens if this legislation doesn't stem the tide of obesity and... uh What's the other one? I'm sorry. Uh, being overweight? Uh, no, that's what obesity is. Um, the, the blood sugar one. I can't oh, remember what it's called. Diabetes? Diabetes. What if it doesn't stem the, uh, t- the, 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 the overwhelming tide of We're going to have diabetes? to mandate salads. Right. That's what's next. Well, Subway customer Jack The only Bello. thing you can have is a lean turkey sandwich and a salad for lunch. Apparently, Subway voluntarily last year started listing its calorie count on its menu board. That's because Subway, uh, you know, their selling point is their their calories and that kind of thing. I mean, they they are sort of the low-fat alternative, and that's great. I want that out there as an alternative. Sometimes I eat at Subway. Sometimes I eat at McDonald's. Well, and what you might have found is that if, if the New York City Department of Health had let the market take its... You know, go on its own and just see what happened. You might find that Subway putting the calorie count up on their menus encouraged other businesses to say, oh, we better jump, hop to it and put our calorie count up there, too. And if not, the calorie-conscious consumers could go and patronize Subway and bring them business instead. You know, and this is, it so often happens in the marketplace that, um, you know, when the, when the market's ready to do something, like put calories on the menu for whatever reason, the mm-hmm. the Subway decided to do it. It began, and then somebody's going to go in competition with Subway, and they're going to say, well, we can't have them having it and us not having it, that kind of thing. Then it, it works better. It's voluntary. It doesn't, uh, it, you know, the, everybody gets choices, whereas when the government gets involved, somebody says somebody in government has a good idea and, you know, like this, and they say, let's implement this, and they pass the law rather than letting the marketplace go about it. This happens so often, right. and it's just wrong. It forces everyone into a scenario that they wouldn't have had to have been in. Well, it's clear that the government owns your menu. If you are uh, in the business of providing food to other people, you don't even own your menu space anymore. Before yeah. you know it, the government's going to be putting up warnings up there. That's what's probably coming next is, uh, warning, high sugar content. You and know? what about my freedom as a, as a consumer to have a menu that isn't uh, overladen with this calorie information? Now, I'll grant you it's a strange little freedom, but it should be mine. I should be able to say, you know what, I don't want to know that calorie information because I'm fat, I'm going to get fatter, and I don't care. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Bring up whatever you want. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features we give away, and they include the wiki. Over 1,500 pages created by listeners just like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive. wiki.freetalklive.com. How would you like to lose up to 25 pounds in just nine days? Without permanently changing your diet, check out this amazing doctor-recommended product. Go to FTLdiscount.com, read some real testimonials, and find out how to order. FTLdiscount.com. And since we're talking about nutrition, uh, nutrition stuff, I was thinking, you know, uh, this 25 pounds, it's going to 
vary for for everybody. I mean, if you're that's a, why they say up to yeah. In the if you're a younger guy, likely you can lose 25 pounds in nine days. You know, if you're more sedentary or you know whatever the factors are, it'll be less. But losing weight is losing weight. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Uh, so the New York City Board of Health has decided to regulate restaurant chains with fifteen or more locations nationwide and force them to display calorie information on their menu boards and in their menus. And this will be going into effect within a couple of months. This guy makes just an out, absolutely outlandish claim. By the way, the New York State Res- Restaurant Association is against the idea, saying many restaurants already supply nutrition information. Uh, but the New York City Health Commissioner, Dr. Thomas Frieden, says, well, this will result in about 100, 150,000 fewer people becoming obese in the next five years and would prevent at least 30,000 people from getting diabetes. What? Did I miss something? I, I actually went back and made, made sure I didn't miss a paragraph in the story. Is he saying that putting calorie information on a menu board is going to result in less people getting fat and people not getting diabetes? What is he smoking? What What are you talking about? Well, maybe it would um, result in some people getting, uh, you know, less, you know, less fat and, um, you know, fewer people getting diabetes. Perhaps um, that information could be helpful in that arena, but to quantify it is what I think is just the most outlandish part. Um, he has no idea how many people are going to be in any way served by this. Right, because and I suspect once people, once people are forced to see it, once it's everywhere, they're not going to pay as much attention to it because, well, you know, it's everywhere. Right, there are those numbers again. It's like uh, those uh, yellow speed limit signs that are suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. Uh, what? He's claiming that this change will result in all these things happening, but... Just putting numbers on a menu board doesn't necessarily mean anything's going to change. There may be some people that have... And remember, we're talking about fast food consumers here, for the most part. I mean, that's for the most part who this is going to affect, because most restaurants don't have a whole bunch of locations. Really, it's more fast food Right, and this is for menus that are um, displayed menus? That All are menus. Okay. All menus. Display and in your hand, take home, take out menus. Uh... It requires people to change their behavior, and presuming that an individual is going to change their behavior in a more healthy manner simply because there are now numbers on the menu board, I think is a quite a leap of faith, yeah. in my opinion. You're dealing with fast food consumers that they want their Big Mac, and most of them aren't really too concerned with how many calories are in their Big Mac. If they were concerned with that information, they wouldn't be in McDonald's ordering a Big Mac in the first place. Right. I think when it comes to Big Macs, um, and I order one at, you know, probably once every other week or something like mm-hmm. that, I do like a Big Mac now and then. Um, I think that you could put uh, made with depleted uranium and acid. <laughs> and, you know, it wouldn't make a difference. People that want a Big Mac have eaten Big Macs all yeah. their lives and want a damn Big Mac. Right. So, again, it requires people to change their behavior, and that order, is not going to change it. Well, I have changed my behavior when it came to Big Macs. If you order a Big Mac without the shredded lettuce, um, then uh, the the little special sauce doesn't get on the shredded lettuce and fall onto your shirt. So just get your Big Mac without shredded lettuce. Who needs that vegetable stuff? Anyway? But then you're getting more calories from the special sauce, right? If well, it doesn't fall on your shirt. Because it's not falling on your shirt. But you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're uh, taking care of that with all that awful lettuce that you've gotten rid of. <laughs> so I'd love to hear from you, if, uh, especially if you're in New York City and you want to chime in on just some of their asinine regulations uh, that they've, they've got going on there. Of course, this is in addition to the trans fat ban. I mean, as you may recall, last year New York City uh, has banned trans, the use of trans fats. 
in uh, chain restaurants. Why don't restaurants. they just shut down the, uh, the fast food restaurants? <laughs> or the ones that have 15 locations or nationwide. More. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just amazing to me. 800-259-9231. Let's jump into the email box, Mark. You had something you'd, uh, that you wanted to share with yeah, us. Yeah, I'm chomping at the bit to read this one in particular. All right, go <laughs> for it. This one's uh, from Landon. Uh, Mark, while in deep discussion with a liberal friend about the economics of a free market society, I seem to be winning the arguments he put up in front of me. By the way, the point isn't to win the arguments. The point is to win over the per- person <laughs> making the arguments. Um, crushing your opponent is something that should be done on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> Leave that to the professionals, Landon. Uh, winning the, uh, the argument he put in front of me, yeah, because we can make at least fools of ourselves, if nothing else. Right. Uh, winning the arguments that he put in front of me because I was answering the questions and, well and explaining the differences between the, economic, the economy now and what it would be like in a free society. Okay. However, once he brought up the subject of utility companies, I couldn't come up with an answer to, satisfy, um, to satisfactorily satisfy all of his questions. He posed the question, what would keep the utility companies which usually have a monopolistic status in a given geographical area. By government uh, approval, of course. Right, and they have uh, you know, restrictions by that same government. That's true. For you know how much they can charge per kilowatt hour or whatever you know, it is that they do. They have all kinds of restrictions, and they have this monopoly privilege. Right. Um, let's see. We keep them fair and honest in satisfying their customers. Uh, as he pointed out, because he is in the business of construction and happens to know the costs of installing each utility each um, to such utility systems he argued that for someone to build a completely new system could be a multi multi-million dollar um, project like for instance no if you one has put, that kind of money right if you wanted to put in a power plant or something like that that and, might even cost a billion dollars only government oh wait no there are plenty of multi-billionaires and millionaires out there that could finance these things sure um but it it, it does come down to a scenario of uh, you know, is it worth building it? Is the market? Yeah, is the will the marketplace sustain the competition? Right. So in areas where it's not so rural, obviously there'd be enough people to, that uh, competition would would work, and yeah. you know somebody could come in and compete and offer a better service, perhaps take a good segment sure. of the pie. Let's see, it'd be so expensive that the competition would be very difficult, and doesn't make much sense to have three different water mains on a particular street. What's your solution or an idea regarding this um, situation? Um. Well, for for instance, the, well, there's the, different utilities to look at. And right. They all Let's look at electricity, just because that's right. probably the most important one. Um, at the very least, when it comes to water, you can dig a you can dig a well. In most places, sure. In most places, um, but if not, you shouldn't be building there. You know, at one point, the government. <laughs> well, and and some people would say that some people are so poor that they live out in uh, you know the, the middle of nowhere and they have to be given these things as a subsidy. At one point, that was really true. When we lived in an agrarian society, um, largely agrarian society or more agrarian society, you know, Roosevelt instituted the uh, rural electrification program or something like that. I can't remember okay. um, exactly what it was called. but the, Oh, it's the New Deal's uh, Rural Electri- Electrification Administration. Got it. The idea was to get electricity to everybody, and I think by the time Lyndon Johnson was around, they were doing pretty good on that. Um for one thing, it's an example of how the government steps in when things were getting handled. I've got a before 1936, a small but growing number of farmers installed small wind electric plants. These generally used 40 volts of DC um, generator to charge batteries in the barn. The basement was enough to provide lighting, washing machines, and some kind of limited well pumping or refrigeration. So the marketplace was taking care of this before Roosevelt decided to, in the middle of a depression, decided to make sure that everybody everywhere had electricity. There's much more to this story, though, in this question. It's an important question, and we can continue discussing it with your input as well at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. 
With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. Sakel CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Uh, They include the updates. If you get signed up, we keep you in the loop. Whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show, go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Sound money is under attack. The Liberty Dollar offices were raided by the FBI and Secret Service on November 14th, and all of its precious metals, computers, and records were seized. Your help is urgently needed. Go to libertydollar.org and sign up for their updates and register for the lawsuit. Don't let the government steal your money and destroy the Liberty Dollar. Go to libertydollar.org. We're talking about a a very good question and an important one, and one that inevitably when one talks about the free marketplace or reducing the role of government in our lives, someone's going to come up with, someone's going to ask this question. So it's important to really explore it, I think, to a, to a full extent. The issue is utilities, uh, basically. And the question is, well, how would it work without government really lording over the utility lines and the water lines and those uh, the things that are, we have hooked up to our houses? Uh, we know that today it doesn't work so well because the government has granted monopolies to certain companies, and we might actually see... More competition uh, in the absence of these government monopolies. We might see a second power company. There are places in this country where that is an option, where there are actually two power companies. We've had a listener write in to tell us about it. It could happen. Right. So there may be more, not only would there be more uh, probably uh, choices in the marketplace without this government regulation, the prices, of course, would then drop as well. What about the people in rural areas? It's easy to say, oh, yeah, there'd be two power companies in a city, in an urbanized area with a large amount of people to, to compete over as mm-hmm. far as their business is concerned. But what about the people living out in the boondocks? What about them? Who's going to take care of them, Mark? Well, you know, and that, that's really the issue is whenever you try to take care of somebody with the government, you fail and largely you hurt everyone. Now, I can see the concern with... You know, the, the way things used to be with the Rural electric, um, Electrification Administration or whatever that mm-hmm. FDR put together. And I'm not saying I thought it was, I think it's a good idea. I think it was a bad idea. And that the this marketplace was solving that. And there were certainly people that were living on farms out in the middle of, you know, eastern Kentucky or something that didn't have power. And probably, uh, you know, Keene, New Hampshire, where we are, was, prob- it was probably a it wasn't we weren't the first place to get electricity right it was relatively unpopulated at that point and you know these uh, the marketplace was taking care of it but it wasn't going fast enough for everyone so the government had to set up this rural electrification administration in the middle of a depression by the way to make sure that everybody who didn't live where, where electricity was Got it. Right, because you have a right to power, see? Well, you know, if they really wanted electricity, see, they could have just picked up and moved to someplace that had electricity. Exactly. I, you, you know, I'm sorry. If you want to live out in the boonies, if you want to go and be a farmer, or whatever your reason for living away from uh, society and the urban areas are, then you 
take that risk. And you understand you may not be able to get all the services one gets. You this, can't. You you're going to be be moving out kind of to the boonies here mm-hmm. in a little while, and you can't get high speed internet. Well, Do you I, have a right to broadband? I can, but it's the marketplace is um, supplying it as opposed to the government, and this is happening with. Well, high what, you get satellite. Right, you can get satellite. It's not as fast. It's, it's okay, but it's not cable modem, and it's not DSL. Shouldn't you have a right, Mark, to get eight megabits downstream? I don't think. Um, no, you don't. No, I don't. No, I don't have a right to but that. But before you know it, the government is going to be making claims like that. Before you know it, the government is going to be saying, "We need broadband in every single home in America." They're You've pretty got a right much to it. on a local level. They're doing it. Um, they're they're trying to coerce companies, you know, phone companies and uh, cable companies into doing just that. And like with the municipal broadband, the Wi-Fi, those well, things. Plus, they're just making it part of their contracts. Um, you know, I, I bet you with the uh, sale of uh, right here in New Hampshire, they're going to sell. Uh, like they're trying to sell Verizon. Verizon to some other company, and I think that that will probably be a criteria of the sale. That well, you can't sell your company to somebody else unless you provide uh, DSL, to, DSL to everybody within ten years, or you know, make that promise or yeah. whatever, and then they'll make the promise, and then maybe they'll fulfill it. You right. know, this is what's ludicrous. Now, let me tell you... Um, Fulfill re- it or we'll take it over. Oh, my gosh. Now, I used to live in Sarasota, Florida, which is... Uh, and it was one zip code over from one of the richest zip codes in the United States, Longboat Key. It costs more money to get water from mainland Sarasota out to Longboat Key. Mm-hmm. They paid the same for their water that I did. <laughs> now, because it's a municipal op- operation, that utility is, right. I'm subsidizing the rich people. And this is what's happening all the time. Because somebody wants to live at the top of a mountain, have a beautiful view. They have, um, they, you know, they get their electricity at the same kilowatt hour as anybody else. Yeah. Even though it costs all kinds of money to run poles and that kind of thing out sure. there. A lot of times if it's more than 300 feet or whatever, the, the, phone, the utility company will make you pay for the poles and the line. But in, anyway... Um, it still costs it money costs to transmit more. the power out there. It, it, it does. It, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it, there's less money in providing services out there. Don't you think a rich person on the top of a mountain who demands electrical service should have to pay for what it costs Absolutely. to deliver that electrical service? Whatever the market will, uh, will bear it, sure. And, you know, and this is, this, is the, this is what we're doing with our current um, utility situation. We're subsidizing rich people who want to live in the very best locations, which are usually remote uh, right. In in some way or another, whether they're on the side of an ocean or whether they're on the top of a mountain or whether they're on the edge of a canyon or wherever it is that they are, these aren't good flat uh, pieces of land that have uh, you know a nice aquifer you can drill to and are you know close to other houses. Rich people don't want to live in close proximity to other sure. people. They don't want that. So that's what we're currently doing with our uh, um, utility situation: is we're subsidizing the very rich. If we left utilities to the marketplace, then the rich would have to pay their fair share. And the for poor, the first time ever. in the same way that everything else trickles down to the poor, you know, at one point air, airline travel was only for the very rich and wealthy. Now yeah. you can get a ticket from here to Sarasota, Florida for $69. I know, I've done it. Anybody can travel on an airline. Why? Because so many rich people did in the past and you know made the technology more and more available now right. the technology is available enough that people can do so that's how the marketplace works that's what's fair that's what's voluntary absolutely and let's also look at i mean even if for somebody let, i mean let's just say somebody who's relatively um, poor or even middle class uh, wants to move out into the the boonies again I don't. Uh, they. I'm sorry. It's not my responsibility to provide that person with power and water and these other services. It's not 
maybe I'll feel sorry for them or something and want to help them if they're really poor. I could do that on a voluntary basis yep. and that'd be fine. But I have no responsibility to them for that. So if they're choosing to go out there, then they either have to make a deal with the power company, make a deal with the, the whoever's providing the water, or come up with some alternative options. And the fact is the marketplace does have alternatives. If the power company says, nah, we don't want to run lines out to you. Go and get yourself solar panels. Go and get yourself a wind, um, you know, a wind generation, power generation, uh, windmill. That's what yeah. I'm looking for. Yeah, there's, a, you know, you can get by with less power. Um, there's a popular mechanics uh, series that they're running where the guy lives in someplace rural Vermont, where yeah. he essentially is living on, he's off the grid completely. Right. And there's plenty of people off the grid. He's doing it cheaply. They're living on very little, um, and it seems to be working. And yeah, solar panels do cost a lot of money, but you don't have to run every light in your house, and you don't have to have electric heat. There's all kinds of different ways that you can get by. Yes, um, you know some of these alternatives are expensive, but in comparison to you know paying for you know actually getting the lines out there, it might be the best alternative for you. So there are alternatives in the marketplace, and in the absence of all of the government regulation that surrounds providing people with power and water and these other services. We may even see more um, more development. We may see more innovation. I mean, before you know it, we might have little cold fusion devices to power our properties from, where we wouldn't, where we'd have to, where uh, being hooked up to the grid would be an ancient kind of a a concept. We'd be looking back and saying, "Hey, Mark, remember when we had to be dependent on this power company for power? Now we've got this little cold fusion box. You just flip it on, and it goes forever. Pour in some water, and poof, you've got sure. power." It's Absolutely possible. Yeah, those technologies are uh, definitely in development, and if they were in demand more so, then we might see some advancement in those uh, those areas sooner rather than later. This particular area just gets me so upset that, that people think that they need to vote or that the politicians need to save them in the area of electricity and water. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. Talk live. You can take control of your, uh, your these airwaves toll-free. Make them yours. 800-259-9231 and bring up whatever you want. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so uh, do enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Hey, if you like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live, go shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com. Entering Amazon through that link results in Free Talk Live getting a percentage of your purchase. In fact, we were just talking about uh, th- these alternative options for powering your home and, and getting water. For instance, digging a well is an option. So whether or not there's a water company around, you can still get water out of the earth. Uh, whether or not there's a power company around, you can still get power from the wind and the sun. In fact, if you want to get yourself some of these supplies, believe it or not, Amazon's got them. Amazon.freetalklive.com. In fact, I'm looking right now. Uh, the guys in our chat room posted this. There's a 12-volt, 400-watt wind generator for less than 500 bucks with free Super Saver shipping. Now, I don't think that comes with the pole. But still, the generator itself. Poles are in uh, high supply, low de- you know, low demand. Yeah. you can get a pl- you can get a pole. Now I don't know how high every every uh, municipality has a different rule on poles. And for instance, I live on a wooded lot. I'm not sure how high that pole would have to go, and if I would need tension wires mm-hmm. and that kind of thing to uh you know get this dealy running. But it's pretty cool. They've got solar panels too, all there at Amazon.freetalklive.com. So you know, when it comes to this utilities up. thing we were talking about. 
you know, electricity and water are one thing. I can see why people would make the argument that those things are necessary. But why in the world does the local, local municipality um, have to regulate which cable company I get, which telephone service I get? I don't know. It must just go back to the good old boy network and protecting your politically favored buddies. I think it's more about the lines. You know, oh, my God, we wouldn't want a second pair of cable lines running around here. It doesn't here. make sense. If a company was willing to foot the bill for that, then why wouldn't they want oh, that? But the electrical lines are ugly. Okay. How one more pair is going to make a difference, right. I don't really... Well, mostly it would just be on the same pole. Yeah, so I don't really... So I think it's more about political favoritism than, than anything else. And just back to one other point on, on this. Um, you know, moving out to the boonies is not a right. It's not. And you really have to be able to afford to do it. If you want to take your trailer and your dirt poor and move out to the boonies, you should not have an expectation that people are going to run and jump to your aid to, to provide you uh, to, to run miles and miles of wire or miles and miles of piping to go out to your location. You just can't expect that. I don't expect that. Does anyone expect that? I can't afford to move out into the boonies if I had to, you know, run, uh, run cable and run, uh, run power lines out to where I was, where I am. I can't afford to do solar and, and wind right now. I just don't have the assets to, uh, to be able to, to, to make that investment. So therefore, I live in the city, and it's fine. So when you've got enough money to move out into the boonies, then great, go and set yourself up, live off the grid. I don't really understand why anyone else thinks, why anyone would think that the community has some obligation, that other individuals have an obligation to take care of you. They don't. In fact, one other thing. Roads are another issue, right? Because if you're going to move out to uh, the middle of nowhere, you've got to be able to get your stuff there, right? Well, what about the roads? Well, did you know that back before government took control of uh, many of the roads in this country, there were thousands and thousands of privately owned roads? In fact, Many of the roads were constructed with no intention of making a profit, like the roads that were going to very, very little, just going out to a few people's houses. They didn't think they were going to make money on that. So what they did was they pooled their money together to be able to to purchase these roads. They did they did uh, hold stock in the road as a result because they were the owners of the road, but they never made any money off of it, and they knew it in advance. They knew in advance they weren't going to make money. It was just to get from point A to point B. And people, believe it or not, voluntarily on their own volition decided to contribute to those efforts. Isn't that a shocker? When people, people, when left alone, are able to voluntarily organize themselves in different ways to get things done. Who would have thought? 800-259-9231. We go to your phone calls. Let's talk to Lee in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hello, Lee. You gotta turn down your radio, my friend. Lee, he dropped his phone. Lost him. He'll come oh. back. All right, Lee. Hello. Hey. hey, there he is. You're there. There he is. He had to turn his radio off. Okay. Yes. So what's yeah, on your I mind? I figured you'd appreciate that. Yes, sir. Hey, Go for it. I lived in Eastern Oregon, and uh, one of my mechanics, his dad was the chief uh, uh, head head dude for the service crew, and in the early '80s, there were several companies right in from Portland east that went. Uh, Developed uh, basically 5,000 watt uh, wind generators. Columbia Gorge isn't the sailboard capital of uh, North America because they don't have wind. They call well, it the what capital? pretty cool. His dad says, uh, eh, we got that cured. I said, what? Says, yeah, we charge you a $5,000 hookup fee for service in your account. 
basically the wind generator at 5,000 watts could uh, produce more power than most people would use. Really? So, yeah, they made it mandatory to where the power company then had to buy it back. Now, this was a co-op slash people. We had a people utility district here in Montana. It's, it's a co-op, same difference, which means there's kind of non-profit. But if they make a profit, everybody kind of gets a raise, you know. Uh, these guys made darn good money. didn't matter what your position was. Secretary was making 20 bucks an hour. You can imagine what the linemen were making. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, that's the way they handled it. It was gave me a pain in their rear end. So we just arbitrarily came up with the fact to hook up to our services will cost you $5,000. Well, that kind of took all the fun out of having a wind generator. But, you know, that plays average uh, 15 to 30 mile an hour winds 300 days a year. I have to say I'm a little confused at this point, Lee. You're saying that there was a w- if you were moving out into this area, it, the power company would charge you five thousand dollars to get hooked up to the grid. What's yeah, the wind generator backwards? To- See, that's the whole thing. Uh, if you produce more power than you're using, let's say I'm at work, mm-hmm. nothing's on in the house, but the wind's blowing. You know, I'm producing five thousand watts of power that feeds into my meter backwards. Right. So then they have to technically pay you for the power that you're generating because you now become a mini, uh, what they call a mini power generator. And so they, they offset that, what they have to pay you, by getting $5,000 from you up front? Yep. Just and wait, 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 wait. One more thing. Was it mandatory that you hook up to the power grid? Just to have it to your house. So it was mandatory by you law? You put it you in your backyard. Ha- it didn't matter if it went into your meter. They own the meter. And you can't buy your own meter, so now you get to pay them 5000 bucks for the privilege of generating power to support yourself. The but that's only be, if I you are on the grid. Wait a minute, really Lee, one point of clarification. I'm still confused on something. What if you weren't on the grid at all? Were they forcing you to hook up to the grid? No, it's only if you were... Um, In town. Within- if you had an existing service that came from Got their it. power lines to your home. So if you wanted to hook up a windmill to existing service, they'd charge you $5,000. Yeah. Oh, What wow. a scam. And huh? like I said, took all the fun out of putting in your own power meter. Yeah, and, I, uh, I can imagine it They tried it with it solar, would. but they got nixed on that. Well, if you're going to be putting up a windmill, you probably should be out of town anyway. You probably should be out in the boonies, and then, and then it won't be a big deal. Then they you only had a seven- or eight-foot blade span on them. They weren't very big. Lee, as always, um, thanks for the call, dude. We appreciate the story. Just uh, amazing. 800-259-9231. And since it's the, the government monopoly, then you don't have any other options. They get to charge you whatever they want to, right? Yeah, it's it's silly. Um, I, I just don't understand. You know, I mean, people, the idea is to incentivize people to uh, get these uh, windmills and that kind of thing. But then they, you know, by law, force the power company to buy the electricity back at whatever retail rate is, so they don't want it at that because they're in the business of producing electricity, sure. damn it. They don't want to buy yours at retail rate. So how do they offset that, the possibility that you're going to produce a whole bunch of electricity and, and become your own little mini electric company? Yeah. Well, they charge you $5,000 to hook up a, a windmill. 
Why? Well, because the government got involved. Yeah. I mean, what difference would it make to me if I'm producing enough electricity, largely, to uh, handle my own electrical needs? And every once in a while, I may turn on the computer and the iron at the same time mm-hmm. and uh, need a little bit of electricity from the grid, so I decide I'll hook up to the grid. And I don't want to waste the electricity that I'm generating, so I'll sell it for something. What if I sell it for a third of what I buy it for? No big deal. No no loss to me. Right, you're my not doing wind, any of the work. My windmill's producing whether or not, um, you know, because what, ha- what happens is the windmill will shut off. Well, not shut off. It still spins. Yeah. But it doesn't produce any power once my batteries are charged. Right. When I'm no longer running on batteries, um, you know, then I would need the stuff off the, uh, the grid. Yeah, when, I'd take a credit. I mean, I wouldn't require them to cut me a check or anything like that. I'd just take a credit in case the, I needed See, they the power could, They someday. could work all kinds of scenarios. But the right. law, the government has gotten involved because these damn greenies have uh, said, Whoa, we uh, oh my God, electricity, <laughs> it's ruining the world. 1-800-259-9231 allows you to comment. Bring up whatever you want. Hour 3 is on the way. We'll hear from Brad, maybe Joe as well, and take your calls. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Brand, you can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features there for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We go right into your phone calls. Brad in New Hampshire on the AMP line. Hey, Brad. Hey, good evening, Ian and Mark. Hey there. Hey, man. What's on your mind? Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about the hearing yesterday. Um, uh, that, yes, this was that, the mar- uh, medical marijuana, not medical marijuana, it was just a marijuana decriminalization hearing happening in uh, Concord to reduce the penalties for possessing less than a uh, one and a quarter ounce of marijuana t- from $2,000 fine and up to a year in jail to no jail time. Uh, you can't actually arrest the person and they can only be given a uh, up to $200 citation. Right, uh, and just one thing to, uh, to correct you, um, under this law... Essentially, uh, it would make possession of 1.25 ounces or less of marijuana um, the equivalent of a traffic ticket. However, the police could still arrest you for it. Uh, really? Yeah, in New Hampshire, um, under a, Supreme, a New Hampshire Supreme Court case, you can legally be arrested for having a taillight out. Um, the uh, the uh, Supreme Court has ruled that's not a violation of the uh, state constitution or the Fourth Amendment, and uh, an arrest can be made for any uh, offense or crime. Well, I guess that backs up what any Mark infraction. said. Because, well, Mark, any, you said that a, a ticket is an arrest. A ticket is an arrest, right, Bradley? In right, any it's, state. It's, it's considered, uh, it's considered um, uh, a summons in lieu of arrest. Okay. Um, when, when you pull somebody over, that's not technically an arrest. And if it were, anything that the police would say to someone on the side of the road would have to be, uh, the police would have to read Miranda. And the reason why it's not considered an arrest is because when you get pulled over, uh, you know that, you know, it's just going to be a couple minutes and you're going to be on your way. Um, so it's a, it's a routine thing. An arrest is when a person um, is not free to leave, um, you know, more than a brief uh, encounter on the side of the road. So if, if this bill passes, it would be my guess, and um, I'd be willing to, you know, to bet that law enforcement agencies still would arrest people for this violation. Um, yes. But, but – but the arrest really, I mean, the arrest, although temporarily, uh, you know, a pain, ultimately what really counts is what happens in court. And when people show up in court, um, you know, for having a minuscule amount of 
um, a very innocuous, mind-altering drug. Um, fortunately, they will no longer be made criminals, and um, they'll be, you know, just pay a fine of up to 200 bucks. So will that not be on their record? If it, I mean, if it's an actual arrest, if they get taken in, won't that show up on their record? Well, what's very important to remember is, although the term arrest certainly uh, it can be fearful to some, an arrest really doesn't mean anything. Um, an arrest simply is um, when the police take someone into custody so they can be forthcoming to answer for the commission of a crime or offense. And a, an offense is something that's not a crime, which hopefully marijuana possession will be. So when you're arrested, that, just because you were arrested, that can't be held against you. I mean, an employment, an employment application that says, have you ever been arrested, um, I, I would imagine, um, and I'd be willing to bet, that that would actually be illegal because, you know, people get arrested um, for things that, you know, courts rule later on that the police didn't have a reason to arrest them for. Sure, so, sure. So you can't look at arrests and, and, and figure that a person's a bad guy based on the fact he was arrested. Absolutely. Unfortunately, though, there is a stigma to that, and a lot of people in society uh, feel that way. Sure. Um, but I wanted to call Ian, and I really wanted to compliment you on your testimony. I, I know uh, you, uh, you mentioned last night that, you know, people did, you know, chuckle about it. And people in the committee, they did chuckle, but you made a very good point, and... Uh, I think they got it, um, and uh, you know, a gentleman who, uh, from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, who you mentioned last night, Superintendent Richard Van Wickler, um, he was impressed with your testimony because you, you really drove the point that, unfortunately, many people uh, in the legislature don't get, is that when you prohibit something, you create a black market. You'd think they dangerous. understood that. I mean, how dense can these people be? Were they not paying attention? I mean, even I learned in government history class that the prohibition of alcohol had all kinds of unintended consequences. Do they believe that won't happen with drugs because they're somehow fundamentally different? They have to be completely disconnected with reality if that's what they think. And um, the um, the president of the New Hampshire Chiefs of Police Association actually said... Oh, this I, guy's crazy. He actually said that when, when he was asked by uh, Representative Tim Robertson of Keene, he actually said that... He, he, speaking for the New Hampshire Chiefs Association, would reconsider alcohol prohibition because uh, Representative Robertson made the point that alcohol, statistically and in reality we all know it's true, is far more dangerous than marijuana. Mm -hmm. uh, As marijuana, though the chiefs of, uh, chief of pol any police has uh, the ability to reconsider alcohol prohibition. I mean, well, think of the hubris that this guy's uh, operating under. He'll decide whether or not he's going to outlaw uh, well, alcohol Well, he knows he again. won't decide. He was just asked for his opinion. Should prohibition be brought back? And what did he say? Well, he said he, uh, he would consider it. And he, uh, you know, I, I would like to say that he can't be considered as speaking for himself. He is the president of the New Hampshire Chiefs Association. He represents the chiefs of police. When he speaks, for, when I speak, I speak for law enforcement against prohibition. He was speaking on behalf of all the chiefs of police that are a member of this group in New Hampshire. And for anyone to say that they would reconsider alcohol prohibition, which, which was one of the most dangerous and corrupt times in our country, simply goes to show that these people who are pro-drug war have absolutely no clue what what the real issue is. Well, it's either that, it's either that, Brad, or it's the other the other side, which is they completely understand what prohibition is and they're <laughs> profiting from it. Whether their profit is coming from federal drug money coming into their department, or whether the profit is coming from uh, black market dealers giving them payoffs, or whether the profit is from them themselves actually doing the drug dealing. The fact is, there are plenty of cops that are well aware of the uh, the benefits, if you will, of prohibition to their department. 
Isn't it funny that uh, when alcohol prohibition uh, was coming to an end, the mob was one of the uh, most ardent, uh, in the most ardent opposition to it coming to an end because they realized that if alcohol prohibition was to be ended, they would not be able to make money anymore. And when is the last time that you guys have heard of beer distributors shooting it out in the street? Doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And, you know, booze is our number one source of revenue. So I I just wanted to call and thank you very much for your support. Um, When when this goes to the Senate, which we certainly hope it will, we certainly could use your support again because you do make a very good point. And well, Brad, I, I appreciate that, but really the thanks should go out to you because it's I'm just a guy just like anybody else that could come in and testify on these issues. But you are the one member of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, as I understand it at least, the, the lone member in, in an organization that has thousands of members. You're the one guy that's actually still on the beat. You're the cop that's actually out there doing law enforcement on a day-to-day basis. Most of the guys in law Enforcement against prohibition are retired, and they've come out after that fact. Or they're anonymous. But you're the one putting it all on the line, and really, that's something that really deserves congratulations. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Ian. Uh, uh, There is a gentleman who is a police officer. I think he just got promoted to detective uh, in Canada near Niagara Falls, who's also a leaf speaker. Okay. Um, I didn't know they were up in Canada. That's good to know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Over 50 countries, there's uh, representatives. Oh, wow. Law enforcement against prohibition, and you guys should be very proud of your jail superintendent Richard Van Wickler, um, who is now a leap speaker. Uh, he is a phenomenal man. Did over 20 years in the military, over 20 years in law enforcement. Um, he's an adjunct professor of uh, in two colleges, and his testimony I thought was just remarkable. Yeah, he was great. He added, uh, I think, a lot to the hearing yesterday. And you know, when somebody like that gets up uh, and and with that sort of criminal justice history, gets up in front of these elected representatives, that really gives him a whole lot of sway. So, Absolutely, the people of Cheshire County, New Hampshire, should be very proud to have this man being their superintendent of jails because he is a a very ethical, very well grounded. And um, just a very good human being, and he seems he's he's a remarkable person. You know, um, all the back padding aside, what what's going to happen with the with the bill here, uh, Bradley? And by the way, we call it Cheshire County. Oh, really? Did, did, I, did I say it wrong? You said Cheshire, oh. like the Cheshire cat. I can oh. tell you what's going to happen with the bill. Lots of things up here. It's going to some sort of subcommittee for them to either give a yes or no to, basically, at this point. Anybody got any feeling on which way it's going to go? Uh, I know if, I was to, if I was to roll the dice, I would say that. Um, the, it is going to pass the uh, the criminal justice committee, and it's going to pass the House. Um, once we get to the Senate, though, um, we face a whole other uphill battle, and we just need to work hard to get this passed because it's uh, it's an effort worth worth putting our time into. We need to stop ruining uh, people's lives for making a choice, in my opinion, that isn't even a bad choice. I mean, I would. I would much rather have someone smoke marijuana than drink alcohol because it's safer. Yeah, that much is true. Brad, as always, thanks for everything. Brad Jardis from uh, New Hampshire. Law Enforcement Against Prohibition is a great nationwide and international group. Uh, So this isn't just a New Hampshire thing. This is all over the law enforcement experts. Speak to a group that you know, maybe your church group or the Gowanus Club. Get in touch with these guys. Leap.cc. L-E-A-P.cc. Let's end this insane war on drugs. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We've got live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both for free for you at freetalklive.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys... 
LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like setting up a corporation or a limited liability company in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. 800-259-9231. Continuing with your phone calls, it's Rich in California. Rich, you're on Free Talk Live. I think it's uh, fantastic that your state is working for uh, to legalize marijuana. Yes, we should be leading the way. Just not, a few people in the state. Not well, following. in California, I can have three pounds on me with my uh, 215 card, and that's that's that pretty much covers personal consumption, I think. That, that would cover yeah. my personal consumption for a long while. <laughs> but what I would say is, like, a lot of these legalization laws only focus on, like, the retail end. It's like protecting the small guy who's going to have an ounce or something. Mm-hmm. What is overlooked is the fact that that small guy isn't going to have an ounce or something if it's not for the growers. Sure. And so you want and to protect the, the growers so that you can have, like, local people growing and your money uh, staying local and money from out of the area coming in and then recycling local. Well, I, I really don't care where the money goes or where it comes from. I just care about freedom and allowing people to make decisions for themselves. So I think that uh, we don't need protections for anybody. What we need is to just re-legalize marijuana and but then let the market decide. But that's a point that really works right now. People are big into um, local VOR uh, issues and that kind of thing, and that's a selling point that will really resonate with some people. I live in a remote area. Like, we don't really have, like, our economy here was based on cutting down the redwoods, and, like, they don't do that anymore Mm because they're gone. And so, like, money coming in from out of the area is important. And, like, that's what marijuana does for Humboldt County. Like, people bring in hundreds of millions of dollars. They wouldn't bring it in if we didn't have this here. And you guys could do it, too. But right. just, like, protect the grower, because if the grower is protected, you'll have local growers, and you won't have, like, Mexican cartels and things like that bringing drugs in. Well, if, if again, there's no protection necessary. You just re-legalize drugs, and then everybody's safe, because no one will be arrested anymore. That's what the, you know, that's what the issue is. As soon as you re-legalize drugs, then it doesn't matter. You know, anybody can grow it wherever they want to grow it. They don't have to ask government's permission to grow it. You don't need a license to grow it. I don't want regulation. I just want freedom. I just but want the, the government to get market. out. The black market can give us freedom from the Federal Reserve, though. That is mean? the benefit of the black market. I don't understand. What do you? What are you? Well, because to? if there is a, if we legalize everything, <clears throat> it takes away the black market. Okay. Yeah. So then you'll have like people will be buying things. I mean, there would still be some market for a for a professional grower because you know they they can do things that uh, you know the corporation grower is not going to be able to do. But you know the black market. In the in the hands of the right black market entrepreneur, that is freedom from the Federal Reserve. Like, what, are you, what are you referring to? How is that freedom from the Federal Reserve? Well, it's a good step in the right direction. They don't have to pay the, they don't have to pay taxes. Every bag of marijuana I've ever paid for was paid for with well, Federal Reserve it's, notes. It's freedom. It's freedom me. from the IRS, not from the Federal Reserve. Now it's well, it is freedom, and I'll take that. Right. Yeah, well, that's fine. I can already not pay the IRS. That's just a, a choice I make in my day-to-day life. So yes, I don't... but I'm not willing to make that choice, and millions of Americans aren't willing to make well, that choice. Well, you're also not a drug dealer, Mark, the so... The threat of being put in prison. Well, right. You're also not a drug dealer, so you're not... Uh... Most drug dealers get put in prison for dealing drugs, not for um, avoiding taxes. He's oh, right. I don't know He's about right. that. Around here, it's the other way around. I'm not going yeah. to advocate keeping the... Uh, the I black... was in prison for nine years, and I can tell you all the guys I met were in there for dealing drugs, not for taxes. Look, I'm sorry, Mark. I'm not going to but advocate... again, I was in a state prison. I'm not going to advocate keeping the black market around just so a few drug dealers can avoid the IRS. Uh, that's an advocation of keeping the black market around? He's saying well, like we should keep the black market area. around. 
growers in Humboldt County put a lot of money towards Ron Paul. Like I, I know of uh, personally know of like several hundred cuttings that were donated that went for a, a thing, and there was a push here to try and get Ron Paul to make an appearance inside inside some. Uh, some grow houses. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. That would be awesome. Now that would totally be awesome, and that's what you need to do because, like, I mean, that's how I've turned people on to Ron Paul is like just speaking radical things like that, like Ron Paul inside a grow room. I now, mean, if, <laughs> if they made it legal in Humboldt County or California or whatever to uh, grow, how would the black market uh, be kept around? I'm, I, I guess, I missed that. Well, part if of it became legal, well, if it became legal, it would switch to what would happen. Then would be since we're like on the ocean here, there would be like a resort reefer. Like I would have, I would do an addition on my house, and I'd have a bed and breakfast, and people would come to my house and stay, and like for like five hundred dollars for a, a couple nights, they'd also get like a a nice platter of various types of, of wheat. So you mean the black market in the rest of the 49 states so that Humboldt County and California... Well, uh, I don't really think much about the interior. and You know, I mean... Interior. Or the rest of the country, I mean... Screw them, right? It's just we need freedom for everybody, pal. I have no It'd love be great to have a bed and breakfast and be able to supply things. And, you know, California should be, uh, you know, free of the federal government to make those laws. But then again, so should every other state be free. Oh, of I, I agree. Right. The black market is only a result of the lack of freedom to deal in certain products and services. And as soon as we re-legalize those products and services, I, I don't, you know, I don't advocate anyone go and pay the IRS. And that's, you know, totally up to you as a, as a marijuana dealer. If you want to go and send money to the IRS, then that's your business. I advocate against that, personally. I advocate for freedom 100% of the time, and I, I am not a, f- a fan of the black market. It is not something we want to keep around, because the black market, uh, while there are some dealers that are of a decent sort, that are honest, and will provide you with a good quality product at a okay price, considering the black market, uh, the fact is there are plenty of unscrupulous dealers in the black market who are more than willing to rip off their customers, more than willing to be shady, more than willing to be dangerous, and that's the problem with the black market, and if we just re-legalize it, all of that, all of those problems go away. It all goes back to your personal reputation. It's true. Yeah, but you, you, your reputation in the black market, while it can be affected, is also just, it's not as upfront as your reputation in the legitimate market. I mean, in many cases, you don't even know who your dealer is. You probably don't know his real name in, in some cases. At least if they're smart, they didn't tell you their real name. Thanks for the call, Rich. We appreciate Take hearing care. from you tonight. 800-259-9231. He seems, I don't really understand where he was coming from on that. Well, some he sort can of see love a bit for of, the black market. He can I, see a benefit for, um, if... You know, California went legal, um, really legal, not just the sort of semi-legal that they have. He can see a benefit for himself, and that it, it likely, if um, you know, that that would be so. And California is farther along than most states as far as the legalization of marijuana. Uh, I can, you know, and and we need entrepreneurs that see those benefits for themselves to do that kind of thing. Sure, but. You know, it's certainly self-serving to advocate the idea of a black market elsewhere, you know, the rest of the 49 states. Right. The only people that want to keep the black market around are the dealers and the cops. Well, in the, the case, only in the case of a state being, um, you know, being left alone by the federal government and having legalized marijuana, those people would not be the dealers. They would simply be businessmen selling marijuana who are benefiting from, um, you know, the, the tourism that would come to their state over this one product. 
No, but, no, I understand that. I'm saying the people that are in favor of keeping the black market around are the, are the dealers. The people that in today's society, right now, we have the black market in every single state of the union. Sure. And the people that would like to keep it that way, keep the status quo, quo around, are either the chiefs of police, as we learned yesterday at the marijuana hearing I went to, or the drug dealers themselves. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airways, though not all of the drug dealers. Some of them I have known would would have been willing to go legit. They would have stayed in the business had uh, you know the, the laws changed. It wouldn't have made as much money, but they still liked what they were doing enough to, to keep at it. More on the way, you can bring up whatever you want. How free is the free market? We might look into that here in moments. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just go and get them for free. Right there on the front page of the website. Go to freetalklive.com. Your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals, including insecticides and chemical er and fire retardants. Does, your, does this bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. You can try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. All right. So earlier this week, I noticed a story in the news, and I considered marking it for, for show prep, but I, I decided against it. I figured if it came up, uh, it would be just something I could recap from memory. Because it was more of a politically oriented story, and I just don't like um, dropping names. It was about how Hillary Clinton was discussing how she thinks that uh, the marketplace needs more balance, that they need to, uh, that there's just not enough regulation right now, that this is, it's such a free market right now, and that we need to get the the government more involved in taking care of things and, and regulating things. And the the position that she's taking is a common common position, as Jeffrey Tucker from the Ludwig von Mises Institute points out. He says that, see if you can spot anything wrong with the following claim, a version of which seems to appear in a book, magazine, or newspaper every few weeks for as long as I've been reading public commentary on economic matters. As I said, it happened just a few days ago with the Hillary Clinton story. This is uh, from the New York Times opinion section on December 30th, 2007, an excerpt here. The dominant idea guiding economic policy in the United States and much of the globe has been that the market is unfailingly wise. But lately, a striking unease with market forces has entered the conversation. The world confronts problems of staggering complexity and consequence from a shortage of credit following the mortgage meltdown to the threat of global warming. Regulation is suddenly being demanded from unexpected places. (coughs) Now, uh, Mr. Tucker says the article is called... The free market, a false idol after all? And it makes anyone versed in economic history crazy with frustration. Just about every word is misleading in several ways, and yet some version of this scenario appears as the, ba- as, uh, the basis of vast amounts of punditry. The argument goes like this. Until now, we've lived in a world of laissez-faire capitalism, with <laughs> government and policy intellectuals convinced that the market should rule no matter what. Recent events, however, have underscored the limitations of this dog-eat-dog system and reveal that simplistic ideology is no match for a complex world. Therefore, government responding to public demand that something be done has cautiously decided to rein in greed and force us all to grow up 
and see the need for a mixed economy. Ludicrous. Oh, yep. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. First off... They've um, been saying this forever, though. This is what the government's been doing all along. We don't live in laissez-faire economic situation. I believe it is pronounced laissez-faire. Whatever. Um, we don't live in that scenario, and to call it that is... Well, it's, it's dishonest. Sure it is. And it's in uh, designed in order to be able to regulate further. Correct. So that politicians can be in charge, and they can dole out political favors to their friends and punish their enemies. Well, didn't Goebbels, uh, the Nazi spokesman, uh, make it very clear that uh, the more you tell a lie, you tell a lie over and over again, people start to believe it'll it? it'll suddenly become true. Right, so you tell people over and over again that they're living in a free marketplace, and look at all these awful things that are happening as a result of the free market. We need more government regulation. Tucker, claims, uh, Tucker points out that all three claims are wrong. We live in the hundredth year of a heavily regulated economy. And even 50 years before that, the government was strongly involved in regulating trade. The planning apparatus established for World War I set wages and prices, monopolized monetary policy in the Federal Reserve, presumed first ownership of all overall earnings through the income tax, presumed to know how vertically and horizontally integrated businesses ought to be, and prohibited the creation of intergenerational dynasties through the death tax. That planning apparatus didn't disappear, but lay dormant temporarily, awaiting FDR, who turned that machinery to all-around planning during the 1930s, the upshot of which was to delay recovery from the 1929 crash until after the war. Right. Everybody uh, credits FDR with uh, recovery from the Great Depression, and in fact, he prolonged it. His programs, his socialized programs, prolonged it. Every and time the, the government gets involved, it's inefficient. Inefficiency is going to uh, prolong a, a, a depression every time. And it's important to uh, to note that it's the Federal Reserve and its inflationary principles that uh, that really caused it in the first place. Cause, you know, yeah. some people would like to blame it on gold. When we went off the gold standard and uh, the real gold standard in 1913. Just how draconian the infra- intervention is ebbs and flows from decade to decade, but the reality of the long-term trend is undeniable. More taxes, more regulation, more bureaucracies, more regimentation, more public ownership, and ever less autonomy for private decision-making. The federal budget is, I mean, we just talked earlier tonight about how the New York City uh, Health Board is now mandating that some restaurants put calorie uh, numbers on their menu boards. So there's no amount that they will, that they will never stop micromanaging no, business. No, they will not. Always going to be another step. The federal budget's nearly $3 trillion per year, which is three times what it was in Reagan's second term. Just since Bush has been in office, federal intervention in every area of our lives has exploded, from the nationalization of airline security via the TSA. I'd like to make it clear that normally that uh, this sort of rhetoric would be aimed against Democrats, the you know get out of the marketplace uh, rhetoric, and we're talking about Hillary Clinton here was was quoted. Um, that sort of rhetoric would be aimed against Democrats, but it's been largely Republican presidents in control of the White House and Republican uh, representatives in control of Congress. We've gotten this from Republicans. As well as Democrats, probably more so. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, George Bush has drastically increased the size of government compared to uh, Bill Clinton. Yeah. All right. Bunch so, of liars is what they are. So we continue. Uh, he says he points out that uh, federal intervention has exploded, including the nationalization of airline security to the heavy regulation of the medical sector to the centralized control of education. With free markets like this, who needs socialism? So the first assumption that we live in a free market world is simply not true. In fact, it's sheer fantasy. How is it that journalists can continually get away with asserting that the fantasy is true? How can informed writers continue to fob off on us the idea that we live in a laissez-faire world that can only be improved by just a bit of public tinkering? 
The reason is that most of our experience in life is not with the Department of Labor or Interior or Education or Justice. It's with Home Depot, McDonald's, Kroger, and Pizza Hut. Our lives are spent dealing with the commercial sector mostly because it's visible and accessible. Whereas the depredations of the state are mostly abstract, and its destructive effects are mostly unseen. We don't see the inventions left on the shelf, the products not uh, imported due to government quotas, the people not working because of the minimum wage laws, etc. Because of this, we're tempted to believe the unbelievable, namely that government serves the function only of a night watchman. And only by believing in such a fantasy can we possibly believe the second assumption, which is that the problems of our society are due to the market economy, not the government that has intervened in the market economy. Consider the housing crisis. The money machine called the Federal Reserve cranks out the credit as a subsidy to the banking business, the bond dealers, and the big spending politicians who would prefer to borrow than tax. It is this alchemic temple that distorts the reality that credit must be rationed in a way that accords with economic reality. The Federal Reserve embarked on a wild credit ride in the late 1990s that has dumped some $4 trillion in new money via the credit markets, making expansion of the loan sector both inevitable and unsustainable. At the same time, the federal bureaus that manage and guarantee the bulk of mortgages have ballooned beyond belief. The popularity of subprime mortgages are a tip of the massive but buried debt mountain, all in the name of achieving the American dream of home ownership through massive government intervention. Say what you want about this system, but it's not the free market at work. Indeed, the very existence of central banking is contrary to the capitalist ideal, in which money would be no different from any other good, produced and supplied by the market, in accord with the moral law against theft and fraud. For the government to authorize a counterfeiter-in-chief via the Federal Reserve is a direct attack on the sound money system of a market economy. There, you can't even possibly claim we have a free market when the Federal Reserve is out there pumping out this nonsense, these greenbacks, into circulation, let alone all the regulations that the market's subject to. Let's move to the third assumption, that government intervention can solve social and economic problems. With global warming at the top of the heap, let's say we remain agnostic on the question of whether there is global warming and what the cause really is. And there is no settled uh, answer to this issue, despite what you hear. The very idea that putting the government in charge of changing the weather of the next hundred years is yet another notion for <laughs> fantasy land. More on the way. 800-259-9231. People are subject, uh, subjected to so much misinformation, it's important to counteract that as much as we can. And that's what we're doing here on Free Talk Live. Are you- this is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call if you make it right now. 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The features for free. Like the show. Want to help support Free Talk Live? Go shopping. Get yourself some great Free Talk Live branded merchandise. Like Free Talk Live t-shirts, hats, hoodies. Uh, we've got lighter bottle opener combos. Even some uh, some original designs like the Free Talk Live uh, the Free Marketeer logo, you'll find those on some products as well at store.freetalklive.com. And for a limited time, if your order totals over $75, including our shipping cost, over $75 orders, we'll get a free copy of Barry Cooper's excellent DVD, Never Get Busted Again. Uh, so head over to store.freetalklive.com to place your order today. Because we have a very limited amount of these Barry Cooper DVDs, so you want to grab one while you still can. That's store.freetalklive.com. We're talking about... The way the media consistently, consistently misrepresents 
the economy in America. They claim all of the time, and, and Jeffrey Tucker at uh, Mises.org is pointing this out, and he's right. I saw it done earlier this week. They always are claiming that we live in a free market, laissez-faire society, and look at all these terrible things going on. We need government to just step in and start taking care of just a few things. As though government is just hands-off, as as though government is just sitting back, as Jeffrey puts it, as a night watchman. Which, of course, anybody that's paying attention, anyone in business knows, that's nonsense. We aren't in anything even close to a free market society. There may be some market segments that are less regulated than others, like sure. the computer industry, for instance, uh, versus automotive. But we have uh, just we're burdened to death by, by regulations, and so he's pointing out that these assumptions that these jur- journalists are making, and maybe it's because they have some ulterior mo- motives, or maybe it's probably more likely just because that's what they were taught in school. They were just taught that. We live in a free market, and government intervention is necessary in order to correct the problems of the marketplace, which, of course, the problems are usually created by government intervention in the marketplace in the first place, as we've seen so many times. But he goes on to point out that uh, he, he uses global warming as an example. The third assumption that is usually seen in these articles is that government intervention can solve the problems. Is that we see the problems, we know what the problems are, and so we need government to come in and solve those problems, and that it can actually do it. Well, what about global warming? Presuming that, uh, let's say we remain agnostic on the question of whether or not there is global warming and what the cause is. The idea that putting government in charge of changing the weather of the next hundred years is yet another notion from fantasy land. The point about complexity counts against government intervention, not for it. The major contribution of uh, Friedrich Hayek to social theory is to point out that the social order, which extends to the whole of the world, is far too complicated to be managed by bureaus, but rather depends on the decentralized knowledge and decisions of billions of market actors. In other words, he gave new credibility to the insight of the classical liberals that the social order is self-managing and can only be distorted by attempts to centrally plan. Planning, ironically, leads to social chaos. You don't have to be a social scientist to understand this. Anyone who has experience with public sector bureaucracies knows they cannot do anything as well as markets. And however imperfect free markets are, they are vastly more efficient and humane in the long run than the public sector. I don't think everybody agrees that the uh, that, that the free market can do things better than, than the government can or more efficiently than the government can. Um, well, that's only because they're ignorant. Uh, that much would be true. Right. When you look at the facts and you look at the the real information... I'd love them to call in and make their argument sure. if they didn't believe that that was so. Well, but to say that anyone who knows anything about these... I mean, we've we've had, uh, what, the head of the teachers' union, uh, you know, we, we've read about in Florida about her saying that competition just isn't for schools. Kids shouldn't be taught about competition. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> for God's sake... He says uh, uh, to say she's ignorant certainly is not uh, is is not incorrect, but to say that she agrees would be. He points out that's because free markets trust the idea of freedom generally, whereas other systems imagine that men in charge are as omniscient as gods. In one respect, right, it, they, like they could possibly do it. Somehow the free market brought us automobiles. Mm-hmm. Somehow pre market brought us refrigeration. Everything housing, we take for granted. Everything it is that you enjoy in your life was brought to you by the free market. Almost nothing was brought to you by the government. Yeah, pretty much nothing. I mean, fire service is taken care of by the government in the area we live, but again, that's just one of those services they've sort of taken hold of unnecessarily. And they throw enough money at it that they can finally get it to work. Right. But 
if, it's inefficient. Yeah, absolutely inefficient. Probably on a factor of ten. In one respect, the New York Times is right. There's always a demand for economic intervention. The government never minds having more power and is always prepared to paper over the problems it creates. An economy not bludgeoned by powerful elites is the ideal we should seek, even if it has a name that's wildly unpopular. Capitalism. 800-259-9231. But I don't like the word capitalism. I prefer, I the, I prefer the term fr- the free market, because in the free marketplace, you can have different uh, different economies. I don't happening. think you fool anyone with uh, the free market thing. I think that everybody who's uh, you know loathes the term capitalism knows it, that equates it in their mind with a free market. They believe that free markets allow uh, rich, the rich and evil to uh, you know lord yeah, those over are, those of us who are less fortunate. While you may be correct, Mark, but you are when when you said it's those who loathe capitalism. Those who loathe capitalism are usually the communists who've been really indoctrinated to believe that capitalism is bad. Right. Whether, they say, whether about, they say they're communists or socialists or not, right. that's what they are. I'm talking about the average American. I don't think the average American enough, dislikes the term capitalism. Oh, I think so. They've heard enough bad about capitalists, you know, the evil robber barons and the capitalists. They've heard enough bad talk in their government schools and in the media about so you, capitalism. So you need a study group on whether or not the term capitalism, um, it, you know, has been draws de- up destroyed. a Negative um, connotation. I've I got believe a T-shirt that says "capitalism" across the front, like it, like the Coca-Cola yes, symbol. Yes, it's very cute. I love that baby. Uh, you know, to me, I, I just I don't like it. But oh, I, I think have, it's I'm fine. a little more in in your face once I um, believe in things than it, you are. Sometimes. If you want to try to res, uh, to resurrect the term, Mark, I, I wish you the best of luck. I myself will be leaving it behind and embracing embracing the term the free market because I do believe. That capitalism has a negative flavor with many people, and that's because they don't understand it. The communists understand it. They don't, you know, they don't want it. They want their little communal property and the, you know, property is theft and all their other nonsense that they talk about. That's Prudhon. But there are only there are only a you know a few of those people in comparison to the wide majority of Americans that they've just heard that capitalism's bad because capitalists are taking advantage of people or capitalists are evil or robber barons and blah 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 and so on and so. Forth. And so, therefore, it's got all this baggage attached to it, like the term anarchist has baggage attached to it. And I'm not interested. Libertarian is now getting more and more baggage attached to it as, as time goes on. So I'm just not not as interested in trying to to rescue those terms. I see. I see your point. But, uh, you know, I to some extent, I think that the people, uh, the, the ignorant ones of the term capitalism that you're talking about there, mm-hmm. I think that they almost don't matter. Um, you know, largely they 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 don't come up from their stupor of uh, being you know concerned with uh, you know their lives, Britney Spears, uh, you know whatever it is that they're concerned with. Maybe that you know most of those people don't vote. Their opinions don't matter. Remember, we had a hopeless. revolution in this country that probably ten percent of the people weren't for. I know they'll tell you thirty three percent in your schools, but yeah, not really. You mean ten percent were for it? I, I bet you ten percent weren't. Not a full 10% were. But 90% weren't for it. You're saying, uh, right, you're saying only up to 10% were actually for the revolution. Right. Got it. Let's go to your phone calls. Talk to Kevin in Minnesota. Kevin, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. How you doing tonight? Great. Good. What's on your mind? Um, well, I got a couple things about, uh, you guys were talking about the media. Yeah. And capitalism and stuff. And then uh, another thing I wanted to bring up is a video. But the first thing about capitalism, I guess I... I am not for capitalism. I do have a problem when a widget, per se, costs three cents to make, mm-hmm. and they'll charge 25 cents for it. Well, I think they're, 
there should be some type of um, honesty along with it. There I is understand. honesty with that. What's dishonest well, about that? You see the price, you aren't forced to pay for it, and besides that, not only does it cost three cents to make the widget, but it also costs money to ship the widget to the store. Well, it costs the store money money to put it on the shelf, have employees walking around to help you with the widget. Well, I mean, all of those are costs that you might not necessarily think about when you're buying a product. Well, no, ex- exactly, and, and before I got to finish, I wanted to bring in that overhead cost. There is a cost for overhead, and I'm actually in the process of trying to get something patent and look into the whole thing of marketing it and stuff like that okay. and seeing if it's really worth either selling the patent to a business or trying to come out on the market with myself. Mm-hmm. But I personally can't see charging a enormous inflated price over it, and that's me personally. And so I think it, it goes to like a personal thing. I mean... You know, Kevin, I wish we had more time to talk about this, but it's the end of the show, my friend. So if you want to call tomorrow night, maybe at the beginning of an hour, and really get into this discussion, I would very much like to have it with you, okay? You bet. You guys have a great night. Thanks, Thanks. Kevin. Appreciate it. Uh, it, Because you can't do it justice in 20 seconds. You just can't. Uh, It has been Ian here with you. And Mark. We will return tomorrow. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.